Hello and welcome to the Totally Transformed Podcast. My name is Lance Borden. And if you listened to us last time, we started with part one of Wounded Will and Walls, which is a radio show that Dr. Connie has done. And this week we are continuing that with part two. So Dr. Connie is helping us with dealing with irregular people, which all of us run across at some point or another and maybe dealing with right now. So if you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to that, uh, which is the podcast right before this one. But if you have, let's get back with Dr. Connie for part two of Wounded, Will, and Walls. We're talking today about irregular people or wounds, will, and walls. Um, if you need help with what I'm denoting as an irregular person today, um, you can go to my website, D-O-C-T-O-R-C-O-N-N-I-E.com, drconnie.com, or call me at 972-542-8300, 972-542-8300. Because if you're in one of these relationships with an irregular person that's wounded, has a strong will and walls up, You probably need help as a Christian in unraveling it. When is enough enough? Uh, How many times do you say you're sorry? How much do you let them literally abuse you mentally, emotionally, sometimes uh, spiritually, physically, verbally, and sexually? I hope that you're not in that clear of a relationship, but usually it's more the verbal, mental, emotional, spiritual that we put up and we put up with, and we keep holding on thinking, okay, um, you know, God doesn't want separation. Where there's unity, he commands a blessing. And I think we forget that that unity is contingent on two hearts that are saved, received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and made him Lord, and is surrendered to a sanctification process, which is being more and more made like Christ, more today than yesterday, not as much as tomorrow. As you navigate a relationship with him in intimacy and you're in the word and prayer, and you want to do the right thing. Um, If you run up against a person like Jesus did, as I said in the first segment with the Pharisees and Sadducees, he healed people right in front of them, and they still called him Beelzebub. So he figured out, early on that he wasn't going to have a reconcilable relationship with the religious leaders of the day. And I guess that's what we're talking about, the difference between religion and relationship. Um, A lot of people are into religion and performance and checking the box. And I go to church and I I do all the right things, but my heart has not been transformed. Um, You know, on our website, we have, uh, have a transformed heart and be conformed to him, his will and be informed by the word of God, transformed, informed, and um, conformed. It makes a big difference. And that's why this show in our ministry is called Totally Transformed According to Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the world or Satan, but be transformed daily by the renewing of your heart. And you can only do that through an intimate relationship with the Lord. So Joyce Meyer talks about this, and she talks about if you are in a relationship like that with somebody else, usually they have all these reasons why they shouldn't get help from the fact they're wounded. And so they go on being a hurt person that hurts people, hurt people, hurt people, rather than a healed person that heals people. She says we make excuses for our behavioral problems rather than facing them head on. We blame others or even the devil for our actions. We procrastinate 
I will do that or take care of that some other time. We allow our lives to become so busy, sometimes even with good things that we don't have time to take a deep look at ourselves or at an irregular relationship. And we don't want to face the pain of dealing with our hurts. And it is painful. Today, I'm taking the side of not you being healed necessarily, but the person that you're dealing with that's so offensive needs to be healed. And you try to confront it and they don't want to be healed. And it's difficult. Confrontation is difficult. Um, we're not supposed to be the judges of each other, but we do need to discern whether we're in relationship with ordinary Christians, fools, which the Proverbs defines a fool as if you correct a fool, he'll hate you. And uh, evil people. We're not supposed to be hobnobbing with those people as Jesus demonstrated. He, did, he just addressed them. He confronted them in his time. He didn't try to uh, break bread with them. Uh, unless he saw a heart that didn't know him, you know, there's lots of hearts that don't know him. They need to be introduced to salvation and the gospel message and the word of God. Those people we want to pursue. But while I'm talking about people that have been wounded and they have a strong will against God, they have walls up, they're irregular, as Joyce Landorf denotes, and they will not budge in being um, cooperative or to be in a, an amicable relationship. She gives a chart called the trickle-down theory of unconditional love or conditional love. You can find it in the appendix of my book, Saved But Not Free. She allowed me to use it by permission, or I think it's in her book. It's in one of her books. I think the book it's in is Beauty for Ashes by Joyce Meyer. But she says, if you are really tracking with the love of Jesus and you felt his unconditional love, which again, a lot of people are saved or they go through the motions of saved, but they never feel his unconditional love because their heart is blocked from somebody in their past in a primary relationship that hurt them, rejected them, wounded them. And they put up such walls of either protection or chronic sin without repentance to placate those wounds that they can't feel the unconditional love from Jesus. So this is how she says that goes. Jesus loves me, this I know. He loves me unconditionally. Therefore, his love for me is based on who he is. If you can feel his love, this is the way it should be. Therefore, I have not earned his love, nor can I earn his love. When I obey him, he will bless me. When I disobey him, there'll be consequences for my behavior. He may not like my behavior, but he always loves me. Therefore, since I have experienced God's love, I know I am lovable. Therefore, since I know that God loves me, I'm able to believe there are other people who could love me. Therefore, I'm able to trust people who genuinely love me. Therefore, I'm able to accept the love that those people give me. Therefore, since my most basic need for love and sense of self-worth has been met by God, I don't need to be fixed by other people. Therefore, although I have needs that I look to other people to meet, companionship, affection, fun, I believe those needs are balanced and God-given. I try to be honest in assessing those needs and in asking for what I need. Therefore, I expect other people to be honest with me. I can handle criticism or confrontation if it is done with love. Therefore, since I know that I'm God's special and unique creature or creation, I know that the love I have to give is valuable. Therefore, I do not feel that I have to perform for other people. Either they will love me for who I am or they won't. It is important for me to be loved for who I am. Therefore, I'm able to get my mind off what others are thinking about me and focus on other people and their needs. That's a lot of information. If you can get my book, Save But Not Free, and go to the appendix 
of the unconditional conditional love chart. You can read down through it, or you can listen to the show again in its, in its entirety as slow as you want to and take notes. Um, but that's how you act if you have received that unconditional love from Jesus and it has soaked down into your heart. But a lot of people, and it says if you can do that, you're able to sustain on our chart a healthy, loving, lasting relationship or relationships. But a lot of people go through the motions being saved. Their heart is hardened because of wounds early on in their life already. And they have a root of rejection. They fear rejection, a sense of rejection. They reject themselves. So this is how they act. This is the trickle-down theory of conditional love. Jesus loves me. He loves me conditionally. Therefore, his love is based on my performance. Therefore, I have to earn his love by pleasing him. Therefore, when I please him, I feel loved. When I do not please him, I feel rejected. Therefore, if God, who is all loving, does not always love, accept, and value me, how can, I ex how can I be expected to believe that I'm valuable and lovable? Therefore, I do not believe that I'm basically a lovable, valuable person. Therefore, I'm not able to trust other people who say they love me. I suspect their motives or figure, figure that they just don't, do not know the real me yet. Therefore, I cannot accept love from other people. I deflect it. I try to prove that I am right, that I am not lovable, and that they will eventually reject me. Therefore, they usually do. Therefore, I use the world's standards, money, status, clothes, etc., to prove to others and myself that I am valuable. I need strokes and feedback from other people to myself and to others to prove to myself and others that I'm lo lovable. Therefore, I need a fresh fix of strokes every day just to get through the day feeling good about myself. Therefore, I look to others to give me something that only God can give me a sense of my own self-worth. Therefore, I place impossible demands on people who love me. I frustrate them. I'm never satisfied with what they're giving me. I do not allow them to be honest with me or confront me. I'm focused on me, and I expect them to be focused on me, too. Therefore, since I do not love who I am, I do not expect that others will love me either. Why would anyone want something that has no real value? Therefore, I try to earn their love by what I do. I do not give out of a desire to love, but to be loved. Most of what I do is tied up in myself so that the people I profess to love do not really feel love. They feel manipulated. I'm trying to avoid rejections rather than trying to build loving relationships. Therefore, I'm not able to sustain healthy, loving relationships. So again, if you want to see that entire chart, get my book, Save But Not Free. You can get it at Amazon or savebutnotfree.com. It's in the appendix. It's a lot to think about whether you're setting up rejection because you're already wounded and you're loving to be loved or you're loving to love from a free heart that is not walled off. So uh, in the next segment, we're going to look at some people in the Bible that were really walled off in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, and had hurts and wounds, and therefore they acted out of an intrinsically evil heart. I mean, we're all sinners saved by grace, but we should all be pursuing holiness, and we should be able to acknowledge when we've offended somebody and say we're sorry. Um, and when we're offended, we should be able to um, humble ourselves and confess those reactions, forgive ourselves, forgive those people. But more and more, this is not happening. I think it's indicative of the fact that we're kind of going through the motions in Christianity rather than having a really deep spiritual, intimate relationship with Christ that a Christian examines their own heart 
can be convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I talked about that last week. If you have a seared conscience, what can you do about that to get back into an intimate relationship? Usually a seared conscience comes when you keep rejecting the uh, conviction, not the guilt and shame, that's from Satan, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you're not confessing it, and you're not doing the right things, and you keep sinning over and over. You may be in a stronghold that takes a process to get out of, such as an addiction, and that's okay too, as long as you're repentant and you're moving towards righteousness. But anyway, um, these are tough relationships to be in. I find that I'm dealing with them or helping people deal with them more and more in my practice um, as a licensed Christian clinical psychologist. So again, if you need help, 972-542-8300 or drconnie.com, D-O-C-T-O-R is my website, drconnie.com. So I could potentially help you through it, how to evaluate whether you can really move on from this relationship. I mean, sometimes marriages go years and years and years waiting for an addicted person or unfaithful person to repent, and they have no intention of repenting. Again, the root denotes the fruit. They're very complacent and prideful and blaming and all the things I've said. So let's look at a few people in the Bible this way. Let's take Joseph. In the Old Testament, uh, he was anointed at 17, I think it was. He was definitely called to a destiny and kept doing the right thing. And and finally, uh, he wound up in Potiphar's house in a very strategic position. And then he ran into what I would call an irregular person, uh, Potiphar's wife. Um, I don't know if she acted like she was a Christian being married to Potiphar, but at any rate, She had uh, illicit sexual designs on Joseph and tried to seduce him. And when he wouldn't cooperate, she lied and said that he tried to um, attack her. And so Potiphar doing, I guess, what he felt like was the morally acceptable thing, or potentially he was afraid of his wife, threw Joseph into prison when he was one of his key people in his administration. And he stayed there for a long time. And that is tough. Sometimes we might not be in literal prison, but people have kind of thrown them in us in an emotional or um, a spiritual prison where they just won't let us reconcile with them or make amends. Uh, another story is Jezebel with King Ahab and Elijah. Jezebel, um, I, you know, she influenced King Ahab. I'm not sure about King Ahab, but he was a king of Israel. But Nonetheless, um, she was the one driving the force against Elijah, and um, he became afraid of her and fled and went to the brook of Cherith, and he was um, fed by the ravens there as he tried to recover. And, you know, Jezebel and Ahab, um, I don't think we would call them Christians because they had 850 prophets of Baal employed in their administration. And uh, when he when Ahab married Jezebel, maybe he was originally um, on the right track, but he created an unholy alliance with this king of Sidon and Jezebel's father. And uh, they worshiped all these gods. And so finally, we have the story of, you know, the the sacrifice and fire fell on Elijah's, but didn't fall on uh, these unholy people. And um, 
So finally, uh, there was a famine of rain, and then it rained. And when the people saw the fire fall on Elijah's sacrifice, they said, surely Yahweh is God, and they fell on their faces. And then Elijah had all the false, pro false prophets rounded up and took them down the mountain. It sounds like kind of today. I mean, I, I hope someday there's a sacrifice for someone who's truly after God, and the fire of God fells falls and all the unholy leaders and unrighteous get shown the one true God and the power of God. But anyway, Elijah went to Ahab and told him to go back to his palace as the flooding rain was about to start after there'd been this famine of rain. And Ahab and Jezebel still hung on to their power for years to come. But the people turned back to the true God and would worship him only. So you have these people that'll hang on, even in the face of God demonstrating his power, they are so hard willful, wounded, walled off, that they keep doing the same thing, you know, and they will not admit, they will not repent. So that's one of the things you do is discern it. And then I think sometimes if you're up against a thorn bush and you're bleeding to death, you have to move away from it, at least with the person being able to complete injuring you, offending you, uh, making you uh, emotionally, um, spiritually, and verbally and mentally abused because they won't change. You forgive them, you forgive them, and you confess your reactions, but you may not be able to reconcile. Other examples were um, David and Saul. Uh, David was a gut man after God's own uh, heart, and supposedly Saul was as the king of Israel, but he hated David because of David's anointing and because of all uh, Saul basically. Uh, gravitated into sin and he would have David come and play his harp to comfort him because he had all this demonic attack which David would do but when David had a chance to kill Saul he did the Christian thing we might say and he didn't kill him as he stood over him and he cut off a piece of his um, skirt to show him that he could have killed him but David had to deal with that irregular relationship um, he kept trying to do the right thing, but Saul would not repent. And we know what happened to Saul in the final analysis. We have Sam Samson and Delilah. Samson was God's man. Delilah definitely was uh, somebody put into his life that was not for God's kingdom, was not for Samson, Samson and eventually brought about his destruction, though Samson pulled down the temple on all, on all the ungodly people. And I've talked about Jesus and the Pharisees and Sadducees. We could look at Jesus and Peter too. Uh, Peter denied Christ. I would say at times he was irregular, though he was what the church was built upon. Eventually, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Jesus and Peter was the forerunner in the first century church, definitely. But he denied Christ for a while. I think we could say he was wounded, willful, and he had uh, walls up. He was afraid, walked in fear. That can create walls. So we have examples uh, in the Bible, and it's really been prevalent, I guess, down through history. It seems like with a country, the United States of America, to who I'm talking to that live in this country, that uh, conservative Christians that want to have a heart after God are more and more oppressed and persecuted. That's hard. Right there, that's uh, potentially dealing with intrinsically evil people. 
that do not build this country upon God's kingdom and creation and the word of God, but they build it upon a world government evolution in the mind of man. So they believe in abortion, women's rights to a fault, situational ethics, divorce and remarriage, children's rights, sexual revolution, euthanasia and suicide, rather than you have a design, you have an authority over the enemy through Christ, you have a clear conscience, you walk in forgiveness, you yield your rights when it's possible, you have moral freedom and you have purpose in God's kingdom, uh, that'll build a strong kingdom for God and a strong nation, but we're moving farther and farther away from that. So if you're in one of those relationships and you can't seem to sort it out, um, there are a couple paths. You try to reconcile, but if you can't and you have an irregular person, as I've described it today, you might have to move away from them and forgive them and still have a clear heart. And if you need help, go to drconnie.com, 972-542-8300. Lord Jesus, I just pray for those that are listening to me. I pray if they're a Christian that have tried everything to reconcile, that they would be cleared today, that they would confess their anger and their hurt and their offense, and they would receive your forgiveness, whether they receive the other person. And I pray for the people or persons that are making it difficult with hard hearts, Lord, that you'd break up the stony ground of their hearts and that you would get to them and try to help them repent so that they don't end up uh, with hard hearts and maybe being lost from eternal kingdom dwelling with you. And Lord, we just thank you for the answers to those prayers. Again, if you need help with the irregular relationships, 972-542-8300, or go to, to uh, my website, drconnie.com. Amen. Well, agreeing with Dr. Connie's prayer right there over you in whatever relationship it is that you're dealing with, that God would help you to forgive and uh, repent of anything that you may have done so that you can go to bed tonight and be at peace uh, no matter what the other person does, but also believing that God will deal with that person's heart and draw them to him and restore the relationship. Next time on the Totally Transform podcast, we will be talking about anxiety So I hope you'll come back then and join us. And thank you for joining us today on the Totally Transformed podcast. This has been Dr. Connie Borden and Lance Borden. We'll talk to you next time.